This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, again, it's great to see all of you tonight. Glory to God. We're going to have a good Bible study tonight. I'm going to kind of continue on along the same lines I did on Sunday. Got some other things, you know, that I just feel like uh, that the Lord wanted me to share with you this evening. I think it'll be a blessing to you. So let's open our Bibles together again to uh, uh, Isaiah, the ninth chapter. We've used this for our text, and uh, so we'll do that. We want to welcome all of you that are watching online. And Merle, if you happen to be uh, watching, I'm sorry I missed your birthday there a week or so ago, but happy birthday, dude. Anyway, uh, we're glad you're here and glad you're watching, and uh, hope you got a Bible there too as well. All right, Uh, Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and... uh, Let's read this verse of Scripture together. It's a familiar one to us, of course, especially this time of the season. In verse 6 of the ninth chapter, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, or his rule, and his peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment or judgment and justice from henceforth even forevermore. And I love this particularly because it says that the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform this. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's excited about his plan. I hope you're excited about your plan. If you ain't got one, you ought to get one. You might get excited. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know, God has a plan. And uh, thank God you and I are a part of it. But um, in the context of this, it makes reference to the simple fact that part of his plan was that he would send his son, the Lord Jesus. To us, a child is born, a son is given, both uh, in his humanity and deity he came to this earthborn existence. Now, I want to read it from uh, the New Living Translation as well because uh, I just love it. Praise God. It says, for a, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government or the rule will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now notice this, his government, or again, his rule, and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and uh, justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies is going to make this happen. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. As a matter of fact, it's happening. Hallelujah. Even though we don't see it. So we're taking up kind of, as I mentioned, uh, uh, where we left off uh, this past Sunday, talking about living with a conscious reality of Christ's kingdom, his heavenly kingdom. And really the premise for the message, I guess, um, well, it highlights the simple fact that, you know, his kingdom, God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom is currently fully functional. It's not like we're waiting for his kingdom to come. His kingdom, well, we are. But in the, in the broad, broad scheme of things, it's already functional. It's already taking place. It's already happening. And <clears throat> it's advancing. Huh? Amen. It is. It's advancing. 
And because we live so in the natural, oftentimes, we're not really cognizant, nor are we, uh, well, I guess, living in a very participating kind of way. And that's the reason why I want to share this, this message with you is, is that we should be very cognizant of the fact that his kingdom is coming and we should be participating in kingdom business, amen? Because that's what he's called us to do. You know, I made reference to the uh, uh, time when the uh, disciples asked Jesus to pray or teach him to pray. And he said, our father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, when you pray, say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven, hallelujah. So how many of you know that God wants his will to be the same on this earth as it is in heaven and that we enjoy each and every part of that? So uh, one of the things that we mention in the context of our, our preaching is, is that, and I think, you know, I mean, it seems simple, but yet it's, it's so, so important. And that is his kingdom is real. It's not some figment of someone's imagination. The reason that we, you know, that it's, it's, it's not really there in bold relief where our lives is concerned is because you, you can't necessarily, quote unquote, see it. You can't see it from a natural standpoint. But when, when someone walks out and they gives their heart to Jesus, that's the kingdom of God being advanced. That's where a person's life is being changed from the inside out. See, the Bible tells us that his kingdom does not come with observation because it's within us. Are you listening to me? Jesus made the statement, my kingdom is not of this world. So a lot of times we're just not looking at the right things. You know, when God intervenes in a person's life and brings blessing to that person's life, the kingdom has come to them. It, didn't Jesus say that all the time? When people got healed, he said, the kingdom has come near you. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, in our lives, you know, when God comes through, when, when uh, our situation, circumstances change, when we receive healing in our body or a financial need is met or somehow or another he does something, you know, where our family is concerned and boom, right there, the kingdom of God is being manifested. And yet we're not always really aware of that. You know, some people say, well, you know, it's just a coincidence. Oh, really? Uh, interesting. So it just all depends, I guess, on how you look at it. But this invisible kingdom is real. And as believers, we belong to that kingdom, and we are subjects within it. And that kingdom is coming in full manifestation to this earth in which you and I are living. So the question, I guess, has to be asked is, if that's the case, what are we supposed to be doing? And I'd like to suggest three things to you here, and we'll kind of talk and maybe try to unpack those a little bit tonight. But, you know, as a believer, you know, <clears throat> I am to prepare. Read, read what Jesus said when, you know, you get a chance, especially Matthew, because Matthew talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And he has within his gospel the record or the recording, I guess I could, uh, should say, of, of what it is Jesus said with regard to the kingdom, the kingdom is like, to, with what comparison shall we compare it? And over and over and over again, Matthew gives us a really uh, large and big uh, spectrum of some of the things that Jesus talked about when it came to the kingdom of God. So if you read them and if you think about what's being said, you know, you come to realize that number one, we need to be preparing for his coming. 
preparing for his kingdom. Thy kingdom come, you know. And, and again, you know, Joe Morris affectionately says, you know, you don't want to be found, you know, just in a Speedo. You know, you want to make sure you're clothed. Are you listening to me? Amen, especially when it's cold. But anyway, so, you know, I'm to prepare. I am to be at work. And I'm also to look for the coming of his kingdom. In other words, you know, I'm not just, uh, you know, mindlessly going through life without any idea. You know, some people, they don't have a clue about God. They don't know anything about the things of God, nor are they even interested. Their lives are a mess. Everything's going sideways, all the problems of the world, and this and that and the other. But, but, but they haven't even given consideration or thought to what God, and that's why God raised up you and I, the church, to be that spokesperson for him. Can you say amen? amen? And so it becomes so important for us as believers to really step out there. So here's the question. How can I do that? You know, if I'm to be prepared, if I'm to, you know, be about or be at work within the kingdom of God, or if I'm supposed to be looking for it, how is it that I can do that if I'm distracted by all of these other natural things and really not paying attention to what's most important? pretty easy to do, right? When I first got saved, my wife and I, we didn't have nothing. How many of you never had nothing? Okay. And so all we had was Jesus and we loved him with all our heart. We didn't have a lot of distractions, you know, because we didn't have nothing. Everybody say nothing, you know, but then pretty soon you start to acquire some things and you get this and that and the other. And all of a sudden God seems to not be so important or so much a part of your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Guess what? We don't want to let that happen. Praise God. We want to be about the Father's business. We want to be doing His, His work, the kingdom work, be, because uh, He is coming again. And glory to God, we might as well get all of the work done that we can. The thing that keeps coming up on the inside of me so often in my own thought life and things is, you know, Jesus made the statement, and I, the hour comes when no man can work. And you got to ask yourself, what does that mean? I mean, because I interpret that to mean, now I don't know that this is the answer, but I interpret that to mean, you know, it doesn't matter what you say or to who you say it, they're not interested. In other words, the work can't be done because people are full of doubt and unbelief and whatever the case might be. Are you listening to me? So it's a suggestion to all of us, I guess, that, you know, let's not wait till then. Let's get after it right now and do everything we can to help people find their lives in Christ. So just because you and I can't see his kingdom, now get this, just because we haven't, we can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not coming. Are you with me? You know, like, you know, maybe, uh, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever ordered a new automobile. You know, you go into the dealership and you say, I want that one right there. And I want it to be equipped this way. And I want this and I don't want that. And I don't want to pay for that, but I want that, you know, all this and that and the other. And, and so you say, well, how long is that going to be? They say, well, it might be six weeks, could be eight weeks. You know, it just depends on, uh, is Tim Hoskins here? I thought I seen him. He must be practicing or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Tim Hoskins, he ordered a truck, you know, I don't know, pre-COVID or something like that. Um, he never got the thing for like, I don't know, it was like almost a year. Yeah, it was crazy, you know. But anyway, why did I get off on that? I guess my point was to simply say that, you know, <clears throat> when you order that, you know that there's a time in your future when you're going to get it. 
Maybe some of you perhaps have built a home or something of that nature. You sit down with a contractor and, you know, you do the deal and you figure out what you want and you got to decide how it's going to be and whatever and this and that and the other. You ask the guy, well, how long is it going to be? Well, you know, it usually takes us. I remember when we built our home, the, the builder said it'd be five months and it was actually, I think, seven or eight. So it took longer. You know, we had some uh, weather situations that kind of held, uh, held things up a little bit. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, and I guess in, in saying that, using those illustrations, you can't see the car, you can't see the house. Well, let's just say you're building it someplace where you can't see it, okay? Help me out on this. But you know it's coming. I mean, you've talked to them, maybe you get a little update, you know, they tell you this or that or the other, or they're tracking its progress. Or Well, the whole thing is the same principle is true with Christ's kingdom. He's coming. And we, now the Bible says we don't know the hour of the day, but we're not supposed to trouble ourselves about that. We just keep busy, and when the time comes, he'll show up. Huh? Nobody knows, you know, not even the angels, the Bible says, but he is coming. So again, you know, just because I can't see it, it doesn't mean that that kingdom isn't in coming. And, and really, as a matter of fact, it's already here in, in, in a, uh, how would I say, in at least some dimension, not in the fullest sense of the word when Jesus comes again, the second time or the second advent, but his kingdom is here. He even preached, he said, you know, repent because the kingdom of God is nigh, it's arrived, it's here. And so you and I are participants within that again, even though we can't see it. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and let's look at a, uh, something that Jesus said here with regard to the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read about 13 verses here. But notice what it says here in verse 1 of chapter 25. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps, and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their, in their vessels with their lamps. Well, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather uh, to them that, that sell and buy for yourself. And then it goes on then to say, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready. Underline they that were ready. Come on, I met, you know, I talked to you about we ought to be prepared. Huh? They that were ready, notice what it says, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. So, here in this, we see where um, 
Jesus made the statement, the kingdom of God shall be likened unto. So let's just ask tonight, what are the qualities or characteristics of those who are mindful of his coming? Because five of them were wise and five of them were what? Foolish. In other words, they weren't prepared as we talked about. And so if we talk about the qualities or the characteristics, this is just a suggestion, but let me mention to you, first of all, they maintained their virtue and their integrity. These virtue, the, the wise ones. They maintained their virtue and integrity. In other words, doing what was necessary in order for them to be ready or to be prepared. Amen. Now, the second thing is that they, wa- uh, uh, that they walked in faithful service to the one who had called them. In other words, they didn't, you know, go off someplace and weren't, you know, concerned about this or that or the other, but they were faithful. Everybody say faithful. So one of the characteristics of the person who's looking for the kingdom of God, you're going to find them to be faithful. Hallelujah. The Bible says a faithful man will abound with blessing. But we know this in, in Christendom, in the, in the Christian community, a lot of people, they're not faithful to God, to the church, to anybody or anything. I mean, they're just kind of come see, come saw, whatever happens, you know, if I feel like it, I will. But I tell you what, God has called us to be faithful, hasn't he? We need to work within the kingdom of God and serve the kingdom of God until he comes. Hallelujah. And not expend it on things that have no value whatsoever. You know, and thinking about maintaining their virtue and integrity, we live in a, such an immoral, compromised world where we're at right now, you know. And I think about these wise, they were all virgins and they were all waiting for the bridegroom, but they were, these, these wise ones kept themselves. And so if we're children of God, how, how many of you know we're to possess our, our vessels in sanctification? We are to keep ourselves before God. But you know, that's not what the, the world preaches. Preach, the world preaches you can have as many mates and as many partners and many this and that and the other as you want. And it's destroying people's lives. Are you listening to me? You say, well, I'm not in that case. Oh, well, be glad. Hallelujah, you're awful quiet. But the truth of the matter is, is that we live in a decadent, messed up, corrupt world. And so we see the problems that come as a result of that. So they walked in faithful servant uh, service to the one that called them. And the opposite of that is in this example, if you back up into the 24th chapter, notice in verse 42. It's not just immorality. It's just any kind of, you know, things that displease God. Notice in verse 42. Jesus said, what's the first two words in the King James Bible? What are they? Watch, therefore. Watch. Watch. What am I watching for? He said, for you know not what hour your Lord comes, but know this. So he says, watch, therefore, you don't know, but know this. Know this. That if the goodman or master of the house had known in what watch or time the thief would come, he would have watched and he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, underline this, therefore be ye also, what's the word? Ready. Ready. 
For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is going to come. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? We just got done talking about the virgins that were wise. Whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them their meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make... uh, him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, well, my Lord, he delays his coming. I don't see him coming here. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants to eat and drink with the drunken, a drunken and party. And the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he's not looking for him and in an hour that he's not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, you know, what's that say to us? Well, I think it says that you and I ought to live with a pure heart. We got, we ought to make sure we make sure we keep our heart pure, huh? That we don't allow, you know, unforgiveness, resentment, you know, uh, envy, jealousy, any of those kinds of things to have any place in our life whatsoever. Give them no place. I said, give them no place. Why? Because I want to be ready when he comes. I don't want to have something over here, you know, that's going. And, and see, the thing is, is that <clears throat> in this illustration that we have here, He's talking about an evil servant that says, well, my, you know, this whole thing about Jesus and him coming again, what's the big deal? Nothing's ever changing. So, so it's, it's not that important that I, that I walk this narrow way. I, you know, just kind of do whatever it is that I want to do. No, you can't. I said, no, you can't. And I'm telling you what, the price is way too expensive for that. Praise God. We want to make sure that we're walking in the way that he would have us to. Can you say amen? And in this, in this particular illustration, he says, my Lord delays his coming, so I think I'll just get a little ornery with the people that are around me. You know, just, you know, I feel like I want to be a little mean here or whatever. I want to say some things that I probably shouldn't say. I want to do some things I shouldn't do. Well, you know what? For the child of God, we have no business being in a place like that. Can you say amen? So it, it's incumbent upon us as children of God to make sure that we keep our heart pure before him. If we're messing up, dude, we need to stop, drop, and roll, baby. <laughs> uh, I guess that's for fire. But if you're on fire, maybe that's not a bad idea. You understand where I'm coming? I mean, maybe say it this way, stop, drop, and repent. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a better way to put that. So it's important for us to do it because, because what that is, is it's, it, it demonstrates a lack of faithfulness, huh? You know, I mean, all of us in our, in our lives, we're, we all, um, you know, experience offense. We all, um, you know, have things happen to us that, you know, are unfair, you know, unkind, all of those things. But the reality is, is that it doesn't make any difference what happens. We still need to respond in a manner that is pleasing to him. Huh? You know, people say, well, I don't deserve this. Well, that, that might be true. But yet, right on the other hand, at the end of the day, my conscious approach to life is not, you know, uh, centered on that as much as it is, God, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you would have me to behave? Huh? Well, you know, pray for those that despitefully use you. You know, that's not really a, a, a fun job. I don't know if you, any of you ever thought about that or not, but that's what we're supposed to do. 
So it's the antithesis of, or, or the, the opposite of what your flesh wants to do, huh? And so thank God we're going to do the right thing. Everybody say, I'm doing the right thing. You do the right thing, praise God, and everything will turn out all right. Can you say amen? Why? Because love never fails. Never fails. Never fails. God, you know, I like what our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, used to say. He said, you know, God doesn't always pay up every Friday, but sooner or later, payday's coming. So if we'll just keep, stay the course, do what it is that God wants us to do, Praise God, sooner or later, a reward is coming our way. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to understand that. So, you know, um, uh, the other thing that I'd suggest to you about these versions in the story that we talked about earlier is, is that they were ready at his beck and call. At midnight, the voice was made, and they all got up and they got around. They didn't say, well, you know, I don't really feel like doing that. I don't really want to talk to that person about Jesus. I mean, I got other things going on here, whatever. No, they were at his beck and call. God, you want me to do something? Baby, I'm on it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. That we present ourselves before him and say, God, not my will, your will be done. Whatever it is you want to do today. Hallelujah. Make me a blessing to the people that are around me. Y'all glad you came tonight. Hallelujah. So, you know, I always ask the question, why didn't God just wrap this thing up after he resurrected Jesus? But you always need to remember and be glad that he didn't because you wouldn't be here. Huh? It wouldn't be no heaven for you because you'd never been created. And not to mention the fact that there are those, you know, I got a short answer for that. And that is simply this. Why didn't, why didn't he just do it right away? Just take them all up into heaven, that'd be the end of it. And I'd like to suggest to you the short answer is the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb is big. And there's a whole lot of seats that needed to be filled. Can you say amen? You know that parable. You know, he bid everyone to come. And a lot of them, you know, they found all kinds of reasons and excuses not to come. He said, go out in the highways and byways and find them because my table's going to be filled. And so he's just waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Church gets the job done. We can go home. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to understand that. But here's some insight to that a little bit about, you know, uh, why he chose to do things the way that he did. And, and I'll refer to the scriptures that we talked about last Sunday. Read with me again in the Acts of the Apostles something that Peter said so that we can get our head wrapped around why he's done it the way that he has. This begins in verse 19 of the Acts of the Apostle chapter 3. It says, repent ye therefore. He's, he, he's, he's preaching to them. And they say, what do we need to do? And he said, you need to repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Now listen to this verse. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of the King James uses the word restitution or restoration of all things. So it says again that heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So again, in the plan of God, the purpose of God, it was his intention that Jesus would be born into this earth and that as a child, he would grow up at the age of 30, his ministry would begin, and three and a half years from then, he'd be crucified. 
and then resurrected by the glory of the Father. The Bible says it wasn't possible that he should be holden of it. Hallelujah. Death could not hold him into that ground. Amen. And so he was resurrected. And then he was there with the disciples being seen of him, you know, being seen of them, I should say, for 40 days. Then he was taken up into heaven. And I find it interesting because the angels were standing there. They manifested themselves in that moment. He said, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? He said, this same Jesus, which has gone up into heaven, is going to come in so like manner again. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? So, you know, <clears throat> so there is this aspect of him having to be received until the times of restoration. Now, another verse of scripture that we looked at is 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four, And this is where Paul is writing. He says, then cometh the end when he, Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. So in other words, the advancement of his kingdom is currently taking place and there is going to come a time when all rule and authority bows its knee to the name of Jesus. And then Jesus is going to give it all to the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice what it says here in this. It says, uh, uh, deliver up the kingdom uh, to God, even the Father. Now listen, when he, Jesus, shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign, which he is doing right now. He is reigning till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. So, those are a couple different aspects of us thinking about why did he do things the way that he did. Because, you know, um, when we're living in the world, the Bible says that all of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestations in travail, waiting for the manifestation. How many of you like for Jesus to come? Huh? Wouldn't that be a grand deal? Huh? I mean, we just... We'd be done with all this. Well, you know, uh, so we all have to bear up under the oppressive nature of hell and everything is attempting to be done. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day. Victory in Jesus. Hallelujah, my Savior forever. Can you say amen? But there's an interesting dynamic I'd like to share with you, all of you as believers, as children of God, as people of the church. You know, <clears throat> I believe, I mean, it, the scriptures bear this out. I believe that God himself wanted us, you and I, to have a part in Satan's overthrow and defeat. Because thank God he's under our feet. Can you say amen? Jesus spoiled principalities, powers, made a show of them openly, triumphed over them in it. And then he gave us the keys to that kingdom. And he said, you go in my name and you do my works. And wherever you use my name, praise God, I will do it. Glory to God. And that's the church. Now, listen to this. I'm going to read this, and maybe they'll put it up on the screen, from the New Living Translation. This comes from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, and it'll bear this point that I'm making to you out. Um, Paul is writing. He said, though I am the last or least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. 
I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. It was always God's plan to use the church. It's always been his plan to use the church to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Notice it then goes on to say, God's purpose, is this up there? Good. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Take that, devil. You know, when you lead somebody to Christ, I mean, you just it's just putting in his face. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing hell can do about it, baby. When that guy bows his knee, that gal bows her knee, and they give their heart to Lord, I'm telling you what, glory to God, the kingdom of heaven rejoices, and hell runs tuck tail and finds someplace else to be. And you are the ones that have the privilege of being used to do just that. You know, Paul said, man, I don't deserve any of this, but he chose me and gave me the privilege. That's what he called it. How many of you know you're privileged people? He gave you the privilege, just as he did him, of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures that are available to them in Christ. It doesn't matter whether they accept it or not. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. We're just the delivery boys and girls, right? And say, you know what? You're missing out on something that you know nothing about. Yeah, right. No, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life, whether you think that he does or not. Even if you don't believe in him, you know, the Bible says that a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. All you got to do is look around nature and know that there is a God. And I'm telling you, God sent his son, Jesus, so that you could live and not die, so that you could have everlasting life, so that you could miss hell and make heaven. That's the message. Hallelujah. And, you know, it might come out in a variety of different ways. Now, let me read it to you, this same uh, um, portion of Scripture out of the uh, English Standard Version. And uh, it says it this way in verse 9, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church... The manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Hallelujah. You know, and, and when you read in Paul's writings in Romans, I think in the first chapter, doesn't it say that he said that God chose through the foolishness of preaching that people would get saved? It doesn't make any sense, you know. You tell somebody the good news about Jesus and they give their hearts to Christ. Hallelujah. And you know, when you start preaching the gospel to somebody, how many of you know you're not the only one there that is at work in that person's life? The conviction of the Holy Ghost is coming upon that person because they know that what it is that you're telling them is true. Can you say amen? I'll tell you this story. My uh, <clears throat> lovely bride, when we got saved, we had a bunch of friends in the world, and we wanted them all to receive Jesus. How many of you were like that? 
Huh? And so we told them, you know, uh, the, our story. We told them what, you know, the gospel was and this and that and the other. And a lot of them came in. A lot of them didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, one time, one of our friends, uh, friend, uh, friendship of an individual ended up in the hospital. And so Joan went to see him. Now, we weren't married yet, but we were on fire for God. Hallelujah. And she went to see him and she uh, was talking to him about Jesus, about the fact that he knew Jesus. He needed to know Jesus. And... Uh, I wouldn't recommend this, but it worked, you know, in the book of Jude, it says, you know, some of them you, you save by fire, you know, but she just told him, she said, you know, if you don't receive Jesus, you're, how was it you put that? <laughs> she said, um, the essence of it is, is that you are going to hell and, um, um, or burn in hell. I don't remember what it was, something like that. You would never think something like that would come out of a girl, would you? <laughs> Amen. But it was true. It was true. And I don't know what the duration of time would be. Let's just say another 15 or 20 years went by. And we were having one of our church services and people were coming in. You know, we had visitors and this and that and the other. And, and somebody came in and it looked, the person looked familiar uh, to my wife. And so she went up and got acquainted and this and that. And, uh, and, um, he said, um, how was it? I'm kind of messing this up a little bit. But anyway, um, it, it, she, uh, well, it's something like, I think when she introduced herself, she says, do you remember me? You know, he goes, oh, yeah, I remember you. She said, you came into the hospital and you told me that if I didn't receive Jesus, I was going to go to hell. And she said, that haunted me until I gave my heart to Jesus. And that's why I'm in this church today or visiting this church today. You know, so you just never know. And it wasn't like she was being vindictive or, you know, I mean, you know, fire and brimstone or anything like that. It was just she made the statement. But it was something that as a seed got in him and he couldn't get away from it until he found Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to understand, you know, that, that God is wanting to use us and it may, it may not be in that style, but I mean, you, at, at the end of the day, you've got to tell them the truth. Are you with me? And it's important, praise God, that, that we do that. So anyway, uh, how are we doing? All right, we still got time. You doing all right? Okay. So uh, <clears throat> I think the thing that I want to try to conclude with here this evening is, is that, you know, whether you realize it or not, there's an authorization that has been given to you. He said, go in all the, into all the world and preach. Hallelujah. And these signs will follow them that believe. I'm, I'm in a room full of believers. And so there's been, there's, there has been given an authorization by the king of kings for us to rule, to reign, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Turn with me, or I'll reference this. Well, maybe not. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll let you just read it out of your own Bible, sir. Ephesians chapter 1. Y'all glad you came? Yes. Hope this is doing something for you. Stirring your heart. Glory to God. Notice what it says here in verse 19, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Notice it says when Paul's praying here, he's praying a number of different things. And in verse 19, he's praying that we might be able to see the eyes of our understanding having been enlightened, that we might be able to see what is the exceeding greatness of his 
power or authority, hallelujah, to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the one that is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Hallelujah which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all and all. Notice with me if you back up there in that one verse, verse 20, which you wrought in Christ. Notice it says, when he raised him from the dead and set him where? At his own right hand. So Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand right now. Isn't that right? Well, drop down into the second chapter with me. And notice in verse 5, it says, even when you were dead in sin, he made you alive together with Christ, by grace you're saved. Now listen to this. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? You know, to be seated with Christ in heavenly places next to the Father can mean no less than to share the authority that that throne represents. And dear friend, praise God, as a child of God, you've got that authority. He's authorized you. When you're praying for your kids, you say, devil, you take your hands off of them. When you're praying for this need or that or the whatever, you can be confident, glory to God, that heaven will show up and do something in your behalf to make a difference in that circumstance. That's what Jesus provided. That's what he did so that you and I wouldn't have to live defeated Christian lives, so that praise God, we could come to whatever situation we find ourselves in, in the name of Jesus and do kingdom business. So it's important for the child of God, not only just to read these things, but to know them. So you and I, hallelujah, we can and really are experiencing his heavenly kingdom while we're waiting. Let's just get busy. Let's just start doing what it is he wants us to do. Then we won't be so jacked up about what it is that's, you know, going on in the world. We're just too busy doing his business. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? And by exercising our dominion and authority in behalf, you know, to do it in behalf of others who still need to hear his message. We shouldn't be silent. I said we should not be silent. Hallelujah. And we need to ask God to open up doors of utterance and opportunity for us to share the truth with the people that are around us, but in love. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, we're just going to go out there and, you know, with a club and beat everybody up, man. No, because we want them in the kingdom with us. Can you say amen? I remember one time, uh, Keith Campbell, if he watches this, he'll know, but I got him in my car after we got saved and I wouldn't let him out until he got saved. I just kept driving. I had a full tank of gas. I said, dude, I don't care. I'm going to talk to you until you give your heart to Jesus. And so, sure enough, he finally, at the co-op, it was an old co-op there in Trainer. we pulled in there, man, he bowed his head and he gave his heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. You say, that's a pretty hard-pressed kind of deal. I don't care. You know, hallelujah. At least his name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can you say amen? You know, and so it's important for us you know, to, 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 to do these kinds of things where uh, people around us and their lives are concerned. Hallelujah. 
And here's the thing too, you know, we exercise our dominion and authority on the behalf of others who still need to hear us. You know, when you got unsaved people, man, you can be an instrument and, and they got a problem in their life or they need healing or they're going to the doctor, man, do boom, come on. It's an opera. Hey, can I just pray with you? And man, right there and then, man, you become an instrument for heaven to work in that person's life and bring the presence of God into that situation. Can you say amen? So, so we can use the authority and the dominion that has been given to us as children of God to make a difference in the lives of other people. And not only that, but you know, when talking about experiencing his heavenly kingdom, even in the here and now, while we're waiting, by living in, a such, a, in such a way so as to have heaven on earth in our homes, you know, when you make the decision, you know, the Bible says, husbands love your wives, wives see that you respect your, your, your husbands. And when you make decisions to do those kinds of things, you can have heaven on earth. You say, yeah, but I had hell on earth. Well, you don't have to have hell on earth anymore if you don't want to. You can start appropriating what the Bible says and you can begin to have heaven on earth. Can you say amen? You know, so that his kingdom can come into that house that's yours. But sometimes we got to get stuff out. Oh, here we go. You know, people, they hang on to this and that, you know, and they want a little of this and a taste of that and the whatever. Dude, get rid of it. You know, exterminate. When, when you got vermin in your house, you get it out. Huh? Vermin. Sounds like a good word. You know, but, but here's the thing. People are lied to. Well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Really? You know? Conjuring up all kinds of junk. There's all kinds of occult things that are going on in people's lives. Dude, you need to take that stuff out to the trash can and burn it. Are you with me? So you say, well, I don't have any of that. Well, good. Hallelujah then you don't have to do that kind of house cleaning. Glory to God. But somehow or another, I sense that maybe there's a little something. Don't compromise with the devil, dude. You cannot make or cut deals with hell because you'll lose every time. Are you listening to me? So you just got to get it out. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So to close in, in a few minutes, I want you to realize this, you guys. You, you're a child of God. You know, beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God. We are. You are. You need to realize I'm a child of the living God. Not just, you know, some bystander. You're a child of his. And you need to realize that you have an understanding. Are you listening to me? If you're born again, you know. Isn't that right? But sometimes, you know, well, you know, we question the devil. You know, is always trying to, you know back us up into a corner and say, no, I don't know if that's really, you know, I don't know if that's true for you, you know, or what the case. I'm telling you, it's true for you, you know? And, and so often we, we marginalize ourselves in these areas because, you know, we feel like, well, I just don't know enough. It doesn't make any difference what you know or don't know. All you got to know is that he is Lord and he'll fill your mouth. Amen. Amen. You know, I mean, you think about the uh, kid that got healed, you know, 
And they were going to throw him out of the church. They got the parents involved, you know. So I don't know. This is our son, but you ask him. You know, come on, man. Stand up for your kid. You know, yeah, but he's, he, he belongs to us, but I don't know. Ask him. He said, all I know is, is I was blind and now I see. Huh? So the same thing's true with us. You know, we don't have to wax eloquent. But I'm telling you what, there is a residual of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you that gives you an understanding and a knowing. Hallelujah. And you've got what it is that you need. We're not without understanding. The Bible says, this is an interesting kind of an obscure verse in 1 John chapter 5 and 20. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come. How many of you know He's come? Huh? And it says, we know he's come, and he has given us an understanding. We have an unction from the Holy One. We know all things, that we may know that he, that he uh, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even, the, even his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. You know, Mark chapter 4, don't have time to unpack this, but it says, Jesus said, to you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he talks about the parable of the sower. And he talks about how, you know, the seed gets sown, but it doesn't produce for the exception of, you know, 25%. And of them, only 100%, only a third of those produce 100% in, in, in the production of that word that goes into their heart. But see, he said, this is how the kingdom operates, the seed is the word of God. We preach the word. We put the seed, just like she put the seed on the inside of that guy. And boom, you know, I don't know how long it was before he actually got saved, but he got saved. So we just put it out there. Hallelujah. You know, my wife and I, we've been uh, talking to some friends of ours, and we've been, you know, encouraging them and this and that, you know, and, they, and we just said, you know, it's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You really think so? Yeah, yeah, you're going to be all right. You know, people, this, why don't we believe the Bible? Come on. Well, I don't think I'm going to make it. Oh, yeah, you're going to make it, you know. And they are going to make it. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. So to you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. You have an understanding. There's a lot of stuff you know. You know, the devil doesn't want you to think that you do. And not only do you know a lot of things, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 that you are a steward of those mysteries. He's made us stewards of the mysteries of God. So we're responsible for what we know. Isn't that right? You know, Jake, when you go out there, you know, and you've figured out how to, you know, put these vaults in the ground and make sure that they go in there the right way, there's stuff you know, right? Well, you know, so you're responsible for the stewardship of what it is that you know so that you make sure that somebody doesn't end up going where they don't belong because the hole was too big or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's preachers that have actually ended up where they didn't belong. Got too close, been a lot of rain. All of a sudden, poof, they vanished. <laughs> Thank God I keep, I stay clear, baby. There's only one person going in that ground. It ain't me. Are you listening to me? And that's Jake's job. But anyway, you know, so it's just important for us to understand these things because we're stewards of what it is um, that he's made known to us. So his kingdom's real, you guys. It's coming again. 
And so you have to you have to think about and ask yourself, you know, what did he say about it? I encourage you in your own devotion, go read through the Matthew. And it talks about the kingdom of God is with, with, with what comparison? You know, read all of that stuff because he's really talking about some really powerful things there. And not only that, but it'll help us to function on this earth. Can you say amen? All right, stand everyone, if you would please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Is Linda in here? Linda, why don't you go uh, tickle those ivories just a little bit for us. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Why don't you just bow your heads with me for a moment. I want, to, um, I want to challenge you just a little bit here before we go about uh, hallelujah, the process of stirring. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You remember Paul, he wrote a letter to Timothy and Timothy was in, a, he was in Ephesus and he was a pastor there and uh, he experienced incredible hardship and difficulty. And you know, when you've been in prolonged battles like that for a long time, you know, the, just the weariness of it all, it, 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 it's brought to bear on your lives. And I feel somehow that even tonight, you know, there are people here that, you know, you've, you've heard what it is that we talked about here and, you know, you know it's true. And it just seems like there's such a battle going on. And I tell you, heaven wants to show up in your heart and in your mind and in your life right now where you stand. You don't have to come down here. But I believe that he wants to clothe you with a refreshing from his presence I believe that he wants to do something supernatural that, that, for lack of a better way of saying it, just washes away, <laughs> hallelujah, washes away that, that weight or that heaviness in your life. So I want you just to at least raise one hand toward heaven because that's where our help comes from. Heavenly Father, as we gather here in this place, I thank you, Father, for your spirit. And Father, you said you hadn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But you also told us, Father, to stir up the gift of God that is within us. So tonight we come, Father, and we look to you for a time of refreshing within our hearts. Whatever weariness, whatever uh, battle, whatever stress, whatever it is that we seem to be uh, chronically having to deal with, Lord, tonight, hallelujah, Thank you, Father, for your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Now, if that happens to be you, if I've described you in, in, in any of that, right now I just want you to say, Lord, I receive, hallelujah, your grace, your refreshing, your presence in my life right now where these things are concerned. Hallelujah. Let there be a fulfillment of that, Father, which you promised in every life, in every heart, in every person here tonight. Sweep over this house. Yes, and bring restoration. Yes, hope. Yes, joy. Yes, refreshing to 
every person right here, right now. Hallelujah. Now I want you just to lift your voice with your hands and begin to praise him and thank him for it. Say, Lord, I receive. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for these times of refreshing from your presence right here, right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, lift your voice to him. Glory to God. You, you may not have a feeling to do it, but I'll tell you the feeling will accompany. It will come. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, we rejoice, Father. Yes, we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Hallelujah. We rejoice in your presence. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We shake that snake off into the fire. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, glory to God. You know, sometimes people, you, you know, you'll, you'll encourage them to raise their hands and praise God. They say, well, I didn't do me much good. <laughs> Well, if that's the way you're going to take it, then that's about all you're going to get. Glory to God. I can't help you. You know, sometimes it's just like the Bible says that through, through the foolishness of preaching, you know, through the foolishness of preaching, people get saved. Well, you know, when the Bible says it praises comely for the upright, that it stills the enemy and the avenger, you know, and we read in the scriptures, Paul and Silas are in jail, they're in Carson. I mean, they're in a bad spot. They begin to praise and worship God. And, and, you know, you can say what you want about it, but physically there was a manifestation of God's presence came into that jail man and shook that place and everyone's bands were loosed. Hallelujah. So when you praise God, when when... When you just say, no, I am not allowing this negative pressure and all of this nonsense to come on and steal my joy. Hallelujah. No, I'm not going to do it. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise God. Amen. You know, uh, what's that guy's name? Hezekiah sent the praisers out in front of the army. You know, these things aren't in the Bible just so we can read about them. They're principles that apply. And people might think, well, you're nuts. You're just crazy. Well, so what? If I can get free on the inside and I can get my brain straightened out, what do I care about what people think? Are you listening to me? You know, sometimes we're, we're inhibited, you know. We say, well, I don't think this is doing very much. I tell you what, if you stay there long enough, it'll do something for you. Glory to God. All right, one more time. Raise your hand toward heaven. Let's just praise him a little bit more. Glory to God, Father God. Hallelujah. Yes, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, we praise you, Father. Hallelujah. We take no care. We cast it all onto you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in the house tonight. 
Yes, Father God, bringing that presence and that refreshing into these people's lives. No more bondage. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. God is so good. Hallelujah. I could stay here a while, but you probably got kids to pick up. Go ahead and be seated. We're going to receive our offering. But I admonish you, man. You know, if, if what I was sharing with you applies to you, I mean, take it home with you. Get in that car and say, glory to God. We're, now, don't take your hands off the wheel, all right? And don't close your eyes, okay? Watch the road. But you need to worship God, man. I'm telling you, hallelujah. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Till there's breakthrough in your life. You know, we are involved in a spiritual battle. You know that, don't you? So praise God. This is the way that we combat it. This is the way we turn the tide. And then all of a sudden, things come up out of your spirit. Glory to God. 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 Yeah. Hallelujah. Devil is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. You know, <clears throat> Peter was a little conflicted. You know that, don't you? I'm still preaching. It's my service, so hang with me here. You know, he was conflicted about a lot of things. When Jesus went to the cross, man, and died, he watched him die. He watched his master die. And he thought, man, it's over. It's done. No hope. Disillusioned. Not only that, but before that, he denied him. So you can only imagine the, the hole that hell had corkscrewed him into. But you remember that when Jesus was talking to him on one occasion, he said, Peter, he said, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. What's he mean, like that? What's he mean by that? He wants to run you through the ringer. Huh? And, and all of these things that went on in Peter's life you know, uh, were just that. But, but Jesus said, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. You know, in other words, there was going to come a day when no man could take the joy that was in his heart. And I'm telling you, the same thing's true for you and me. We win. I said we win. We may not know everything we need to know, but I'm telling you what, we win. Hallelujah. And so it's just important for us to understand that. All right, I preach enough. Hold your offering up toward heaven. Father, so grateful. Glory to God. Thank you for your presence. And we ask you now to bless this offering. We thank you, Father, that we have the privilege to sow. And as we sow, we're going to reap. And so we just thank you, Father God, for your mercy and goodness toward us all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, go ahead and pass them buckets if you would. Did you guys pass the buckets last Sunday? Huh? Do you remember? Okay, we were concerned about that, but Pastor Brian went off on, you did, okay, yeah. I don't know, it was just kind of a breakup in the way things happened. I didn't see it, and I didn't know, and, and Joan says, they, well, I think they missed her, and so if she didn't get her offering in a bucket. We gotta get your offering in a bucket. I mean, that's just, that's just numero uno, you know? Number one. All right, well guys, glad you came. Hope you're, oh, I want to mention to you, next week, they're going to be having practice here in the sanctuary. So we're going to be meeting somewhere else. 
All right. I think the way it sounds, it might be in the children's church because they're probably, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Okay. I just work here. So anyway, uh, yeah. so uh, we'll have signs or somebody will direct you or we'll figure it out. We're sure going to have church. Amen. All right. Everybody stand if you would, please. It's 815. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope you were blessed. Please go get your kids and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Glory to God.